In this week's market update, another day, another U-turn here in the UK. Meanwhile, fair value for stock markets falls as the Fed faces further inflationary pressures. And China sets the scene for the next five years. Well, from a market perspective, the big story here in the UK is naturally the latest dramatic development in the black comedy slash soap opera that Britain has become in the past three weeks. This morning's episode had new Chancellor Jeremy Hunt in place for just three days, reversing what remained of ex-Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng's infamous mini-budget of, it's hard to believe, less than a month ago. Today's announcement was a bringing forward of the 31st of October medium-term fiscal statement that just a week ago the ex-Chancellor had already brought forward from the 23rd of November. All of this rearrangement of the deck chairs, let's not forget, is designed to calm febrile markets, which, to recap, had voted with their feet on a radical, unfunded series of tax cuts on the 23rd of September that, by common consent, had trashed Britain's reputation for fiscal prudence in one fell swoop. The decision to borrow to fund tax cuts on top of the already enormous cost of protecting households and businesses from soaring energy bills was widely regarded as ill-thought-through, tone-deaf and out of touch with economic reality. It caused the pound to slump and bond yields to soar, which in turn created unexpected problems for pension funds, which had taken low-probability but high-impact risks with leveraged derivative trades designed to align their assets with their liabilities. These hedges worked well until suddenly, in the face of plunging bond prices, they didn't and new collateral calls on the pension schemes triggered a dash for cash and a sell-off of assets both liquid like gilts and illiquid like commercial property. The Bank of England was forced to step in, effectively bailing out pension funds with monetary easing at a time when its primary objective should have been keeping a lid on inflation with monetary tightening. And then the Prime Minister stepped in, sacrificing her Chancellor and making his the shortest term in number 11 since Ian MacLeod in 1970, whose 30 days in office were curtailed by his death. So, in fiscal terms, we're back where we were a month ago, but with all UK assets now suffering a risk premium to reflect what will no doubt be a business school case study in future years of how not to manage an economic crisis. This morning, Jeremy Hunt reversed all but two of the measures announced by Kwarteng in September. The national insurance cut and the reduction in stamp duty are so far through the parliamentary process that they were left untouched. But all the other elements of the unfunded £43 billion of tax cuts that no one was asking for have been shelved. The markets reacted positively to the sense that normal service was starting to be resumed under the apparently safer and more experienced hands of the new Chancellor. Perhaps most importantly, Hunt has also moved quickly to tackle the enormous cost of the energy support scheme, looking to make it more targeted at those who need the help the most and not wasting precious firepower on people who do not. This winter's support stays in place for all, but from next year, only the most vulnerable will benefit. The appointment of Hunt and his decision over the weekend to move immediately, rather than wait another two weeks to settle the many unanswered questions hanging over markets, appeared to settle nerves first thing on Monday. 
The importance of this was emphasised by the decision by the Bank of England to withdraw its short-term support for bond markets, as expected last Friday. Most of the market reaction happened well before the Chancellor spoke. The pound rose modestly to above $1.13 and the 30-year gilt yield fell from 4.8% to about 4.4%, taking the pressure off stressed fixed income markets and recognising the fact that the Bank of England is now under less pressure to raise interest rates than it was when faced with large, unfunded and inflationary tax cuts. What remains uncertain at this stage is where all this leaves the Prime Minister, who was joined at the hip with ex-Chancellor Kwarteng before sacking him on Friday for announcing a policy that they'd both agreed. The Conservative Party is caught in a bind. It knows it will look ridiculous if it replaces the Prime Minister within weeks of appointing her. At the same time, it knows that her power has already ebbed away and leaving her in place risks humiliation at the next general election, whenever that comes. Elsewhere, the pressures on financial markets remain unchanged. In the US, last week's hot inflation data mean the Fed is unlikely to change tack anytime soon on its monetary squeeze of the American economy. Expectations for the peak in US interest rates have now risen to 4.9% early next year, so the next rate hike in November is almost certain to be a fourth consecutive 0.75 percentage points rise. That shifts the fair value arithmetic for the S&P 500 downwards once again, and it now looks as if, even if earnings are delivered as expected, the right price for the US benchmark is closer to 3,200 than today's 3,600. That compares with the 4,800 at which the index started 2022, and suggests that the US market is homing in on a textbook recessionary bear market fall of around 35%. That would match the decline during the pandemic of two and a half years ago, although it's still well short of the big bear markets of 2000 and 2008. The big question now is the extent to which earnings can provide support for the market at today's lower levels. With earnings season just getting underway, we'll soon have the answer. Less than a week in, the few companies to have reported so far have broadly matched or beaten lower expectations, so that's a positive sign. And it does suggest that anyone thinking of withdrawing from the market now may well have missed their opportunity. That's because once markets get a sense that we're close to peak interest rates, and if they feel that corporate earnings are holding up better than feared, the forward-looking valuation multiple could move quite quickly. There's absolutely no merit in compounding a failure to get out at the top of the market with the second error of doing so close to the bottom. And although the Fed is still looking determined to do what it has to in order to get on top of inflation, financial conditions will be as tight at next year's peak as they have been in real inflation-adjusted terms at previous market turning points. The Fed is as aggressive as it was in 1989, 1999 and 2006. All of these moments led to a recession and bear market, but compared to those previous periods, the market looks to have got well ahead of likely developments this time. Price moves first and then the economy. Being behind the curve as an investor can be very costly. 
This week will clarify the picture significantly on the earnings front, with a raft of companies reporting on both sides of the Atlantic. In addition, this week sees inflation and retail sales data here in the UK. And meanwhile, in China, potentially far-reaching changes are underway at the latest five-yearly Congress of the ruling Communist Party that look like cementing the power of President Xi Jinping. Potentially, that may will make him the most significant leader since Mao. For decades since the chaotic final years of Mao's leadership during the Cultural Revolution and up until his death in 1976, China's complex and opaque political system has prevented any single person mimicking the so-called Great Helmsman's unrivaled domination of the Chinese state. Over a period of time, culminating with this week's Congress, those safety checks and balances have been removed. President Xi could therefore be in power for another five or ten years, perhaps even longer. And that has significant implications for policy with regard to the Chinese economy, the management of the COVID pandemic, the resolution of the ongoing property crisis, and most importantly of all, China's position regarding Taiwan. In a two-hour speech on Sunday, Xi made clear his position regarding the breakaway province and he sent a very clear message to the US and Taiwan's other supporters. Nothing may happen for years, but China and Xi's intentions are now crystal clear. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.